WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the basement. It is Monday night. That can only mean one thing. Joined by the finest crew of gentlemen here in East Lansing to talk sports. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap on Exposure Radio, WDBM East Lansing. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Dan Duggar. You can get in contact with us at 517-432-3893. The email address, open all week, all times of the day. Questions, comments, Sports at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. In studio, Ray Mara is back. What's good, my brother? Nothing, just preparing for spring break. And where are you headed, my friend? Uh, Panama. Oh, gosh. <laughs> a road trip on uh, leaving Thursday night. I expect the censored version of your trip uh, when you come back. Yeah. If that's be. possible. <laughs> Jamal, what's good, bro? Nothing much, man. Living the life. Living the dream for you, bro. Basically. See your shining face on TV. <laughs> man, I'm ABC, ABC3 is Jamal Spencer. He joins us. And scout.com, Pavel Kaufman. What's up, man? Trying to get through this uh, week before spring break alive. The pro- the profs are just killing us with, yeah, the, with the tests, the papers, the projects. What, is it, what does the coach say? We can't look, can't look at the next game. We got to handle what's in front of us before we get to the next game. I'm we, already looking to the next game. <laughs> <laughs> we take it a game at a time. It's a game of inches. Oh, yep, thanks, Coach D. Our phone number five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. First off, there are certain instances in life that supersede the world of sports. Uh, condolences from the Spartan Sports Rep to the family of Rob Atherton. Uh, he's a Michigan State senior, 22 years old, was drinking Saturday night, uh, became unconscious, had to go to the hospital. He passed away Sunday night. Rob was a point guard at Macomb Eisenhower High School. We played against each other in high school. Um, Rob was a friend of mine, and so my prayers and condolences go out uh, to his family and friends. Uh, Rob Atherton passing away at the age of 22 years old. Uh, so sometimes... There are certain instances that supersede sports, and Rob is going to be all right. And his family, they're in our prayers tonight here at the Sports Reps. So the Atherton's uh, Sports Reps rooting for you guys. Stay strong. Uh, but Michigan base, Michigan State baseball, they were strong over the weekend. Uh, they won 2-3, or three, a solid start to the season. Um, if you missed our show last week, we had the baseball season preview on. A.J. Dunn and Kyle Kunkel, catcher-pitcher combo, they joined us last week. Uh, Michigan State baseball continues, obviously, because of the weather. They're on the road again this weekend. Thursday, they play at Lamar, a a four-game series, which is held in Beaumont, Texas. Uh, Lamar Thursday, Kansas State Friday, Arkansas State, or you could say Arkansas State on Saturday, and Kansas State on Sunday. So all the states... (laughs) The Michigan State, the Kansas, the Arkansas, the Kansas, unbelievable. Down in Beaumont, Texas. Uh, Game Tracker, if you want to follow Michigan State Baseball, that's available at msuspartans.com. And so, as my cell phone rings, now you can yell at me, Ray. what up, D? (laughs) (laughs) Get on my case. What's what's really good? My cell phone, I'm going to turn off the Blackberry right now, bro. Thank you. My bad. You know... You get addicted. Are you addicted to your phone? Like you got to, you have an urge to check it often. Yeah, text, I feel like text. I'm lost without it. I mean, you ever lose your phone and then you just feel you ever lost like and not have it on you, and you think it's ringing yeah. anyway? You're like checking your pockets even though you know it's not there. So of the essentials, 
the keys, the wallet, the phone, which can you go without for the longest period of time? Jesus. Keys. <laughs> keys. I mean, yeah. you don't like walking and taking the yeah. bus or hitching a ride, but you got to be able to talk to people, and you know you need your wallet, so... Yeah. For Jamal, it's not even the talk, it's the text. Yeah, man, I'm, I get in trouble with that one. Jamal, man. <laughs> Jamal's the Kwame over here, bro. Man, if my phone worked, I'm going to show you. 1.30 a.m. text. This is what yeah. my phone looks like when I open the screen, so I, I'm texting is a hard time for me, man. I, oh, wow. Yeah, it's, 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 time, for, it's, it's time for upgrade, right? About 2 about two o'clock, Jamal sent it. It, it, used to be the, <laughs> it used to be the booty call. Oh, it's not. It's the booty text now, as, as Jamal so conven- <laughs> conveniently makes us aware of. The booty text. You know, somebody somebody left a pair of keys, a pair of car keys and house keys at my house from the last couple of weeks at a party. Still haven't come and picked up, picking them up. Uh, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly they were on booty uh, mission booty tech. <laughs> right. Uh, but if you'd like to join us, the number five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. The email address wdbmsports at gmail.com. Also, uh, Michigan State's own photographer. He's leaving us. A co-worker of mine, John, he's heading to Boston. Uh, good luck to John. I just left a little dinner party, so I uh, barely made it here on time. Uh, but our number, if you want to get in touch, 586-517. Pardon me. What am I, at the crib? <laughs> right. Five, <laughs> five, 517-432-3893. All right, here's the deal. Devin Thomas, draft stock rising. If you're familiar with this show, you will know when Devin Thomas went pro, we said it was a great idea. There was no way he could duplicate what he did last season. And now everybody wants to jump on the Devin Thomas first-round pick bandwagon. Now that he ran ran a remarkable 4.36, you know, plus or minus a few hundredths of a second at the combine, ridiculously fast. When people thought Devin Thomas was a 4-5 guy, he runs 4-3. And Manningham, conversely, runs a 4-6, as does Mike Hart, draft stock falling. So Devin Thomas showing what he is made of at the Combine. Fellas, we talked before the show. Let's share it with the audience. Where does Devin Thomas rank amidst the receivers to be taken in the draft? Where is he? Top five, where does he fall? I'll say it's easy to say he's in the top five, but where in the top five? Devin Thomas. He's number three behind Malcolm Kelly at Oklahoma and behind Lima Sweet at Texas. Both of those guys have the size and the speed. Devin's 6'2", they call him 6'2 and a half, but these guys are 6'5", 6'4", plus they have hands. They come from programs where they've been playing for two, three years. Devin Thomas really only had one year in the big time, so as of right now, he's the number three receiver in the country, in my opinion. I'd put him number four. I'd put Deshaun Jackson ahead of him, just because Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson's a little more elusive and he's got that game-breaking ability. So 3-4, where does that put him in the draft? Early second, late first, where does he fall? That puts him late first, early second for sure. He drops no further than the top ten of the second round as far as I'm concerned because you look at all these mock projections, there are three wide receivers taken in the first round. One of them's going to be Devin Thomas if that's the case. If not, he's one of the first ten picks in the second round. So Devin Thomas will leapfrog Mario Manningham. In the <laughs> Definitely. <draft>. Definitely. <laughs> in looking at Mario Manningham, he's not big at all. 185. He's under He's under six foot, too. Oh, yeah. He's and, and, you, and obviously, Spartan fans are familiar with the physique of Devin Thomas. He's a, he's a dog. He's a beast out there on the football field. So I don't think uh, that was an attribute that we discussed months ago when Devin Thomas declared for the draft. He has the body for the NFL. 
People question his speed. Could he go vertical? Clearly, he can go vertical if you'd like him to. But he's a playmaker. And it's USA Today. It's Sports Illustrated. It's ESPN. So many media outlets showing Devin Thomas love. And that goes somewhat against the grain of national media showing Michigan State in general love. And and don't think that his power agent, Drew Rosenhaus, doesn't have anything to do with it. Okay, Drew Rosenhaus has the power to call USA Today, to call these media outlets and say, take a look at Devin. Take a look at what he can do. And with Drew Rosenhaus as your right-hand man, I would not be surprised at all to see Devin Thomas go in the first round easily. And Drew Rosenhaus get him the money that he deserves. He's doing everything right. Hire Drew Rosenhaus for every millisecond faster that he runs on the 40. Drew Rosenhaus is going to get him paid even that much more. Absolutely. Drew Rosenhaus is going to take that. People say... You know, how much influence do combine drills like the 40, like the cone drill, like the shuttle? Fellas, how much does, does that influence have on draft positioning, or is it uh, position-specific? Ask Maurice Claret. Maurice, Maurice Claret came <laughs> into the combine and was going to be the best running back ever. He ran like a 4-9-40 and got drafted in like the sixth round, got cut in training camp. It's very important. Obviously, there's some cases, you know, you don't care about an offensive lineman's 40-yard dash time. Some positions, in some cases, it's overblown. But for some of these guys, you can go from a nobody to a somebody with a good workout day. Is Devin Thomas a first-round pick? Your thoughts, 517-432-3893. More importantly, who goes first, Michigan's Mario Manningham or Michigan State's Devin Thomas? 517-432-3893. Ray, how much influence do combine drills have on draft status, draft position? I mean, a lot. I mean... Look at Devin Thomas. I mean, he was expected to run a four-five and be a late second-round pick. I think he solidified himself as a you know a late first-round or early second, to, just with a forty you know forty-yard dash. In addition, so. like I said, I was reading Sports Illustrated. The columns showing this guy love. You know, Devin Thomas. I believe one Sports Illustrated columnist said Devin Thomas was the best receiver at the combine. Had the best hands. Made tremendous, spectacular catches. Had speed and clearly. He has leapfrog Mario Manningham. And what a disappointing day for Michigan. 4-6? Are you kidding me? J.U. Kulkrick ran a 4-7, and he is a, the weight of a, an offensive lineman nearly. Jeez. Mm. You know, you might even see Kellen Davis go ahead of Manningham. Sure. Someone, someone might take a flyer on Kellen Davis. Yep, you never third, know. People, third round pick. NFL execs love projects. You I know, want to so. say Kellen Davis has more upside Chairman than uh, Manningham. Player. I think Kellen Davis is a great story because you look at this, the the character issues he had and the character issues he cleaned up and turned around and had no off-the-field issues his senior year. And, and as an NFL GM, you look exactly what you said, projects. Let me put an NFL tight end coach with Devin or Kellen Davis for, for an extended period of time and see what he can turn him into. Because with you know that hybrid tight end, that speedy blocking, running, you can even throw, pitch a reverse at, Devin, at uh, Kellen Davis. And make him successful in the NFL. Doesn't it make him more valuable? Versatile. That he can play a defensive position, though. Doesn't it make him more valuable? I mean, Troy Troy Brown with the Patriots. He could play cornerback. He could play wide receiver. It made him so much more valuable. Your thoughts: five one seven four three two three eight nine three. The email inbox wide open all hour. It's wdbm sports at gmail Your thoughts: Who's going to be the first Spartan drafted? How about that, fellas? First Spartan drafted, Kellen. Davis or Devin Thomas? I'm, I got Devin Thomas going, and like I said, late first, early second. You know, Kellen's probably going to go 2-3. I'm looking at J.U. somewhere in the 4-5 range. So, so J.U. will be drafted. What about guys What about guys like Nehemiah, so. Nehemiah Wark, 
and the forgotten Sardarian Adams. I think Sardarian Adams has no shot only because of the off-the-field troubles. You have to be a spectacular athlete on the field to have someone go, you know what, we're not going to worry about the off-the-field issues. But, you know, if you're only a decent so-so guy like Sir D was, or an inconsistent player, i put it that way, and then you'll have a little off-the-field baggage, they look at you a lot heavier. So I don't see Sir D getting drafted, but Nemo's another stretch too. I, I mean, yes, he's got the size, but... I don't really think he has a skill to play at the NFL level, but you know, but he proved me wrong. I may be wrong. Does the importance of the combine drills, or the importance of the combine in general, does it vary position to position? Because we see a quarterback like Matt Ryan not even throw at the combine. And that's going to hurt him, because you have guys like Chad Henney who will go there and say, look, even if I fail, you're going to see me. Matt Ryan is relying on his years at Boston College and his victory over Spartans to boost him as the top quarterback in the draft. And you got guys like John Flacco at Delaware who are like, look, I'm going to work for it. And so I think the combine can help certain position players who want to work for it. The NFL draft is April 26th. That's uh, day one. And what do they go, two rounds on the first day? Yeah, at least. You know, that's so, going to take like nine hours. So expect- yeah, I think they, they changed it. The first round is only ten minutes, and they're only going yeah, they first and second now. round. Look how big the NFL draft is. We're talking about this two months before it even happens. Definitely. And two months, you know, March Madness hasn't even happened. We should be talking about basketball, and we're talking about the NFL draft. At its core, there are two seasons in United States sports, football season and waiting for football season. Those are the two major sports in terms of people caring about. What do you, what do, what do the, the radio stations in the Detroit area start talking about probably, probably in March? They're going to start talking about personnel issues for Michigan. They're going to start going through two deeps. They're already talking about the Lions now. We will the Lions for a minute. We're not. We're not going to go that early. <laughs> okay. The the sports debt. The sports desert in 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 July and August where there's nothing to talk about. Oh, you you need that filler. That's why ESPN runs these ridiculous series. Who's who's the, hot now? Who's the now? Greatest highlights. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Who's more now? Ridiculous filler. Just just pop in. The uh, the tape of the uh, World Series of Poker you run a thousand times a God. week. Mm. Go ahead and run that. See, people want to bag the Big Ten Network, but look at ESPN and the in the programming they run. How many times you flip to ESPN and there's World Series of Poker? Equestrian. <laughs> exactly. And 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 they say, you know, who's going to watch you know wrestling, Big Ten wrestling on the on the network? Or, or I, gymnastics. I would rather watch that than poker. Absolutely. Might as well poker put dominoes. Is, well, poker is not I've a sport. Poker is not a sport. But I'm a fan of the Big Ten Network. Uh, That's because so, you have it. <laughs> what are they, they going to have in the summer? What is the Big Ten Network going to fill their programming in the summer when all the sports are done? Hopefully they're going to have Dan Duggar in the summer. <laughs> Dan Duggar in the summer. <laughs> That's who. Like, hopefully they're hiring me. <laughs> shout out Shout out to the Big Ten Network if you hear this. <laughs> That's how you love the Big Ten Network. Um, the Sporting News, it was, actually says, Devin Thomas is the most impressive receiver Going in the draft. So, months later, gentlemen, can we come to consensus, consensus that Devin Thomas made the right decision? Yeah, hands down. I mean, like we said, he had, you know, not a family to take care of, but, you know, he had some things to look at. Like, I have a chance now to go and perform strongly at the Combine. They will draft me, and I can play well, get a paycheck, and take care of my family. Like you said, there was no way he was going to break the records that he broke last year again this year. So, it was a good move on his part. And he does have a mouth to feed. He had the, he had a young child, a young boy. I think it was Devin Jr. Yep. yep. Uh, like a week or two after the New Year's Day, I think. Yeah, or something right after like that. the bowl. 31st. Yep. So yep. Uh, you know, big up to DT Dev, Showtime. I'm, I know Showtime. Good guy. So good luck to Devin Thomas at the draft. Hopefully he does go first round because boy, he will get paid. 
and his little fella will be eating. I'm sure his little fella be rocking some nice little Jordan outfits. Eating some chrome. Get his ear pierced at the age of like two months. <laughs> uh, Pavel, this is where you shine, my brother. Hockey. <laughs> Look at him beaming. Look at him beaming. Michigan State hockey. Uh, splits a weekend series with Michigan. Uh, identical win and loss score. They won 5-2 Friday, lost 5-2 Saturday at the Joe. Um, who is the true winner after the weekend? Was it Michigan State uh, winning the we- winning the season series? I think uh, Michigan was exploited. I think that Michigan State is definitely a winner. They showed them up twice. They beat the number one team. Uh, Michigan's got some holes, that, and Michigan State just uh, exploited them. So essentially, Red Berenson, Michigan's head coach, was outcoached by Rick Comley. Uh, absolutely, I think. I think uh, Michigan on Saturday was a little nervous because they jumped out to a three nothing lead. I was there. Joe Lewis jumped out to a three nothing lead in the first period. Michigan State jumps back with two quick ones in the second, and Michigan suddenly on their heels. They can't do anything right. Luckily, they got a goal with thirty five seconds left in the second period, and uh, you know that was the the stick through the heart of Michigan State. And you look at the roster, you look, or you look at the, the national scene, college hockey. I'm not too familiar with it, I won't lie, and I will not pretend to know it. Jeff Lurk, is he a true Hobie Baker candidate, player of the year in college hockey? I don't know if he gets as much exposure because of uh, Michigan State, but I think, on the other hand, after the Frozen Four, he, he should get some, he should raise some eyebrows, he should get that attention. He single-handedly won them that national championship game. Point-blank range, glove saves. Uh, I, I think he's carried this team, especially this year. How many Player of the Week honors has he gotten? I think he, he should swept the month of January. <laughs> he was Player of the Month in the CCHA. Every week, he was the goal. The part of me, the goaltender of the month in the CCHA. And this is not a weak conference. How many teams have been ranked number one in the nation have hailed from this conference? Michigan, Miami, Ohio. No, who else is who else is in the CCHA? Notre Dame, Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, Omaha. Notre Dame. I mean, it's not it's not. There's no comparison of football talent to hockey talent. Miami, Ohio, tremendous football. No way. Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I digress. You're right. Uh, so Michigan State finished the season two one and one against Michigan, and you're going to deem that a tremendous success or just a success? We could have swept both of those weekends, and we didn't. So. I'd say it was a loss, but it was a step in the right direction, a step forward. Your thoughts, 517-432-3893. Uh, our email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Uh, Pavel, is this team poised for another uh, NCAA Frozen Four run? Absolutely. It's just like the NHL. You know, All you need is a hot goaltender, and Jeff Lurk has proven with all of his accomplishments he can get hot and Michigan State could end up right back there. So the NCAA tournament in basketball, they say, is contingent upon guard play. So that the parallel would run there to goaltending in the in the Frozen Four. Absolutely, absolutely. You get a hot goaltender, he stands on his head. Anything can happen. You're not going to get by him. You're not going to score goals, and you're not going to win games. We're going to switch up a little bit of the list here. We're going to go to the NBA now. Oh boy, the NBA moves, making moves, making moves. My brother, get that cheddar, that scroll of that paper. Ben Wallace to the Cavaliers, fellas. The former Piston, do you like it? In my eyes, the second Ben Wallace signed a contract with the Chicago Bulls, he was washed up. And that's not me being a Fairweather fan. He has not played the same since he left Detroit, probably because of the supporting cast he had. But things haven't been the same. It hasn't worked out for him. I mean, I don't think so. I think LeBron will turn him into another uh, marquee player inside. I think Ben Wallace, LeBron, 
I kind of, I think Larry Hughes was playing well alongside LeBron James, but just the two of them, they couldn't handle that whole team. True. We go right to the phones. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Rep. How you doing? Great, great, man. How are you guys doing, Matt? Not too bad. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I just want to touch base uh, about uh, the De- Devin Thomas thing. The first round, I think there's a there's a lock on first round for DT. I think there's no way he flips to second, especially after the combine. I see him really going to either Chicago. Looks like they're looking to get you know a number one receiver, or either even the Patriots late in the first round. I mean, they didn't franchise Randy Moss. Clearly, that whole question's up in the air, which is simply asinine. But you and know. do you, do you think Devin Thomas was? a first-round pick prior to the combine, or was it the combine that took him from early second into the first round? I think he could have even slipped to maybe even early third had he not had such, such the great showing that he did. So I think he's definitely making moves. He definitely, he's definitely hungry, you know what I mean? He, he's definitely looking forward to you know being an impact player his first year, I think. So you you think this is probably a great decision for Devin, then? Oh, hands down. I mean, forget about it. It's, it's a fugazi, you know? <laughs> where, it's out of the park. Hey, where does uh, where does yeah, where does Kellen Davis fall in this whole scheme of the draft? First three rounds, where, or where does he go? Well, uh, I don't know. You know, it kind of depends on you know on a, on need, obviously on cap room and stuff. But I think he's definitely you know he's definitely a project guy, like you guys touched on earlier. I think he he needs to work on his footwork and maybe running his routes a little bit. But I think he'll probably end up somewhere you know somewhere much warmer than us. Unfortunately, probably even Miami. I don't know. They're looking pretty desperate right now, and you know Bill Parcells is a great mind, you know, in the upstairs. So absolutely, and look out! Also, another destination possibly for Devin Thomas, the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, don't start about my Vikings! I grew up in Minneapolis. <laughs> Matt Adrian Peterson. Oh God, he's the next coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but also, in addition, I just wanted to say you guys really were uh, hit it out of the ballpark with the. Uh, the insight on the uh, trade between the Suns and the Heat last week, I completely agreed. But uh, the biggest trade that really concerns me is that, that Cleveland trade that you guys were just chatting about. That that just really makes the Eastern Conference a whole lot tougher. And uh should be an interesting May and, Ju- and uh, June here in the playoffs. Hey, man, we appreciate your call. Thanks a lot for your support. No problem. Bye. So the trade, obviously, if you didn't see it, um, amongst other names, uh, Wally Zerbiak is now a Cleveland Cavalier, along with Ben Wallace. Delonte West. And Delonte West. I like Delonte West. You remember Delonte West at St. Joe's next to, next to Jameer, Jameer. Melton and Jameer Nelson? Oh, and nice. then uh, to Chicago, obviously, uh, was it Drew Gooden and uh, Shannon Brown, Michigan State's own Shannon Brown, goes home. Going home. Yep. Goes home. And then uh, Larry Hughes, overpaid and underproductive Larry Hughes. You, are you a, you like Larry Hughes? I like Larry I, Hughes. I mean, he's I, a St. Okay, Louis come boy. on, he's a Billiken. I, I know you were going right there. <laughs> I went to high school with his brother, the one that passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, so you're all right. I got you. He's, you know the the teardrops on the eye, <laughs> the teardrop tattoos. No, I'm not trying to hate. Just like I'm not Bob trying Averton, to hate on. You know, you got a connection there. I mean, definitely. I'm, I feel you on that. But, but my condolences do, do go out if you haven't read it. Um, Michigan State student, 22 years old, Rob Atherton. Um, he died. Uh, late Sunday night after having an incident drinking on Saturday night. He was on life support, and he passed away. He played against me in high school. He was a point guard at Eisenhower High School in, in the Macomb County area. Uh, my condolences to he and his uh, his family and his friends. Um, he's well-known at Michigan State, and uh, I'm sure you, you all will read about it. Tomorrow was posted midday today, like on the LSJ website. Uh, but Rob Atherton passed away at the age of 22. Unbelievable. Uh, but our thoughts and prayers go out to Rob's family. Um, we continue on with the talk of the NBA. 
Ben Wallace, uh, please. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have. That is a scary front line with Zadrunas Ogalskis and Ben Wallace in the game at the same time because he's seven foot three. He can step out. He can shoot a little bit for a big man. He's got a nice touch around the rim, and you add the defensive presence and the rebounding of Ben Wallace. But that's all. Eight. He's averaging five points and eight boards a game. He's not the Ben Wallace of old. And that's he's, not saying he much. Is, there are many players in this league that can put up five, can put up eight, and can bring the intent. Oh, depends a defensive presence, yes. But there are many other players that can do just that. Ben Wallace, folks, is washed up. And Joe Dumars, a great evaluator of talent, knew it and would not pay extra to keep an aging Ben Wallace. Danny Ferry, for the next three years, any trade he makes, he is banking on that whatever player he gets will be will be made better by LeBron James. And it's easy to say that LeBron James makes people better. But ask how did that work out for Damon Jones and Danielle Marshall? Like, they came to Cleveland, and they were supposed to be the outside shooters that LeBron needed to get his team over the top. They didn't really get it done. And call me foolish, but Drew Gooden is twice the offensive powerhouse that Ben Wallace was. Even if you give up a little bit defensively, now you're going to be playing five on four. Now you, I guarantee you they double LeBron and leave Ben Wallace wide open all the time. You know, he's not going to shoot the ball. So it's it was a bad move for Cleveland. I know they got rid of Larry Hughes, who wasn't producing, but they really didn't get much in return. So I mean, essentially, Larry Hughes Larry Hughes may be the biggest beneficiary of it all because Chicago is, a, is an offense that is going to fit Larry Hughes, who's not... A, a, a pop and you know a come off screen and shoot guy. He's more of a create for himself. He's a slasher. He's a slasher. And so I think Larry Hughes will benefit, and I think you'll see his numbers improve because he was definitely just not good enough alongside LeBron. I don't know if Ben Wallace will be. I still don't think the Cavaliers get to the conference finals, but I do think here he, he, I'll go out on a limb here. Not not even a limb. The NBA champions coming out of the East. Guaranteed. I think you saw some foreshadowing yesterday with 30. what Detroit did 30. to Phoenix. Whew. Not to be a homer. I like the West. I think they're going to kick each other's tails in the playoffs. They're going to be some first-round series that could be comparable to, to Western Conference Finals of years past. The talent that will be between the two teams in, the, in those opening round games is ridiculous. And yes... As a whole, the West, the Western Conference is better than the East. But I believe the East plays D. Detroit's deeper. Boston's more talented or just as talented. And I think your NBA champion comes from either Boston or Detroit. As many as people want to say out of the West, oh, it's going to be the Lakers. There's so many question marks with the Lakers. When Andrew Bynum comes back, how healthy is he going to be? How's Kobe's finger? How's that going to affect him? I don't think it'll affect him that much. But we'll see. The West is going to beat each other's tails in the opening rounds. If you think Kobe's finger is a problem, you got Paul Gasol and Andrew Bynum helping him out. So uh, and he, he can his production can decrease by 10, 15 points a game. But you got Paul Gasol right there. You got Andrew Bynum. You so got where does, who, where, does your, where does your NBA champion come from? I mean, we'll talk I more like when Boston. the playoff when the playoffs are seated, and we'll see what happens. I really like Boston. I'm going to take it home. I can say the two best teams in the NBA by far right now are the Pistons and the Celtics because those two teams play with the most intensity. The Pistons bench plays with the most passion that I've seen a bench play on the Pistons in since 2003. Kevin Garnett is intensity. And that and that's what I'm saying. The, the reason the Celtics play so well is because for 48 minutes, they play as hard as they possibly can. 
the Pistons starters have a, you know, reputation for not going hard all the time. I tell you what, those 22-year-old kids on the bench play as hard as they can every time they step on the floor. The reason those two teams are great is because of intensity. And come playoff times, that's going to help them a lot, that you're going to have a team who may not have been there before, but the Pistons and the Celtics are just going to roll through it. The Pistons, 41-15. and 15. They're, my, they're my pick to win the East. Uh, the Celtics, they, I believe they're the NBA best, 42-12 and 12 mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the X factor is no secret in the, in the series that will most likely occur between the Detroit Pistons and the Boston Celtics. Rajon Rondo cannot check Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups will say, post me up. Put you on the block, little fella. I'm going to work. Rajon Rondo in his 180-pound frame cannot <laughs> hang. Chauncey's going to score. Wait, Say weight room, Chauncey. Weight room. Chauncey's going to get buckets all day on Rajon Rondo. Yes, KG's got a little bit of an edge on Sheed. Sheed, one of the best big big man shooters in all of the game. The poor man's Reggie Miller and Rip Hamilton. Tayshaun has been notorious to stepping his game up in the playoffs. That's how he started to shine back his rookie year. And our bench, Jarvis Hayes. The rookies, yeah, they're not seasoned, but they are hungry. And they're... Legs aren't as old as some of the other players. Jason Maxiel. Not to mention, we just traded for Juan Dixon. So I, obviously, yep. you are, are, and I believe Joe D's going to go after Dale Davis too. Yep, he wants to. Uh, he's give not it a done foot move. Mary and bringing Davis. He's not um, done making moves yet. <coughs> um, the Pistons, tremendous basketball team when uh, when handing out twenty five or more assists, twenty one and zero. They share the basketball. A tremendous point guard in Chauncey Billups. McDice is looking young. And uh, Matt, well, not Max Seal, but uh, young fellow with they cut his braids. Amir Johnson. Amir, <laughs> <laughs> the young fellow that cut his braids. Your thoughts, though? Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. The email address wide open all hour. WDBMSports at gmail dot com. Who comes out of the West, though, fellas? It's early, but you, you know we predict in this business who comes out of the West. San Antonio. And, and, and who benefit? Who of all San Antonio? I like it. The, go with the savvy veteran pick. Lakers. Go, go Spurs. Who benefits the most? Who benefits the most across the board? All the trades: the J Kid, the Shaq, the Gasol, the Ben washed up Wallace to Cleveland. Who benefited the most at the end of the day? Playoffs or none? Today. Who, which team benefited the most today? Obviously, when the playoffs are over, we can say in hi- in hindsight, yes, hindsight is twenty twenty. We can go back and say Marcus Taylor made the wrong move going to the pros. <laughs> look, looking back, looking back, it is easy to be a Monday morning quarterback, but where you make your money is when you are right before the event happens. So, who's coming out of the West, and which team benefited the most from the trade season? Flat out, San Antonio's coming out of the West, only because these three teams I look at, Phoenix, L.A., Dallas. Dallas isn't making the playoffs, for one. I'm going on limb. Dallas will not make the playoffs this year because there's going to be a team in the West, 500 or better, that doesn't get in. My money's on Dallas. You know, So, you're looking at teams that are hungry that... Portland's hungry, even though they didn't make a lot of trades. Portland is a great young team. They're hungry. They want to play. You got the Lakers who still have chemistry questions. You got the Phoenix who doesn't know what to do with Shaq right now. You know, you have all these teams trying to catch the San Antonio Spurs who didn't have to make a big move because they know exactly what they're doing. So we can talk about who looks better on paper, but when the games get played, it always seems like San Antonio comes out on top. So I got to stick with San Antonio coming out of the West. Spurs remind me of the Patriots. They'll always be there. They're always going to be at the top, you know, for the next couple of years. And 
no, they don't have to make any moves. They're fine the way they are, and they'll be there when it comes down to it. Quick side note, Michigan State women's golfer Sarah Brown, she was recognized as National Player of the Week by Golf Week and Golf World. I did uh, did some podcasting with Sarah Brown last week. Always enjoyable. Always enjoyable. Great golfer, great person. Sarah Brown, congrats. Big ups to you. Um, And also, Michigan State hockey, here's a baseball connect. Jeff Petrie has been named the CCHA Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, Michigan State, now ranked sixth, is coming off a split against Michigan, obviously, this past weekend. Petrie had his first uh, three, four-point game on Friday against Michigan. He had a goal and two assists, three assists, so it's pretty good. Young Petrie doing his thing, freshman. Um, his dad was a pitcher, right? Pitch for the Tigers on the 84, game, uh, 84 World song. Series. Yep. Yeah, that, that, was that, that was that trivia yeah, question, yeah, right? Well, Where were you during trivia week? Welcome, Ray. <laughs> Glad you could make it, bro. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> a little too much Pinot Grigio this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the email <laughs> the email address wdbm sports. You guys got to make those dago cracks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what was that one day I said like you bleed marinara? Yeah. You know, I I just want to see a holiday party at your house. Is it just bo- bottles of <laughs> bottles of wine and black Cadillacs? Yeah, down, pulled up down ravioli and, and all the all Bruschetta. the men. <laughs> got the whole nine yards. Ray is clearly Italian. <laughs> so. What's what's the word you say when you like taste a sauce and, and it's just mag- magnifico or something? <laughs> wow! <laughs> you know, granny, grandma's stirring the sauce. You got the, you got the mozzarella, this parmigiano. I don't know it's magnifico. I think it's Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know. I'm not Italian. Obviously, but. not a foreign language major. You get down on the Italians. Uh, you probably got the Italian sausage, like you said, the bruschetta. Yeah. We, got, got, we got eighteen different. You probably got a wine cellar. At, at the crib. The, the Pinot no, Grigio. We got a good selection, though. The red, the white, the, the Zinfandel. Yeah. You know, this, <laughs> it's, it's Italian Heritage Day for Ray. Every, you, you had to pull it. You know what? On, on Thanksgiving, we, we used to like not even serve turkey. We just had pasta. Until like, <laughs> until, like about Screw the pilgrims like, five years ago. Let's do it our way. Hey, it's all good. Uh, Ray Mara in the house. Jamal Spencer from ABC3. Scout dot com's Pavel Kaufman join us here tonight as they always do every week. Uh, this is the Spartan Sports Wrap. We're on every Monday night, seven to eight p.m. You miss us and you want to catch us and download us to your iPod, your MP3 device. Uh, simply go to impact89fm.org. Simply click the podcast logo. It'll take you to the Spartan Sports Wrap and click the archives. And there we are, hours and hours of the Spartan Sports Wrap at your click of a finger. And you can download us there. Plenty of tremendous interviews. Just check out the uh, the topics section of that page. and It'll tell you what we talked about and what you can listen to and what guests joined us. Uh, coming next week, surprise, surprise, Jeff Lurg joins us next Monday here on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Uh, just found that out. They have an off, obviously some off time next week. So Jeff Lurg, uh, Michigan State's Hobie Baker candidate, will join us next Monday here on the Spartan Sports Wrap. For those of you who will be in town, um, obviously, Michigan State Hockey is uh, off to a great start this season as they head down to the final few games here in the CCHA. Um, but continuing uh, with the NBA talk, uh, Ray, I need your uh, Italian prediction. Um, who, who's going to be the uh, team that comes out of the East? Is it going to be Boston? I mean, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of Irish in that town. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to go with the Pistons. You got it. They're just playing too well I mean, right now. 
They just embarrassed. They embarrassed Phoenix at the crib. Well, like, they're rolling on all cylinders. They're a pit, almost fl- unstoppable. Flip, flip pulled the starters with eight minutes to go, and we still contained a solid lead and finished scoring 116 points. I don't know. I don't know how Shaq's going to work out. <clears throat> I don't know. He's huffing and puffing down the court. I don't know how it's going to work. They're, I don't. I think Phoenix is a hybrid, hybrid style of play. I don't know. I don't, I think it may may be the worst trade that we've seen in a while. Hmm. I mean, look at Miami. All that salary they dumped in cap room they created. Sean Marion's loving it. Sean Marion's playing the best he's played all year. Miami in two years is going to be one of the best four teams in the Eastern Conference. I guarantee it. Uh, as we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Just, right, that's Sean Marion. That's how you be. That's how you do it as a GM. You don't want to make the trade that pitch over the top right now. Make the trade that pitch over the top in a couple of years Larry, because they've got all the tools now. Larry Hughes will make Chicago a lot better next year too. Yep, yep, yep. We continue on the Spartan Sports If you'd like to uh, get in touch, 517-432-3893. I'm uh, joined by the Italian, uh, Jamal Spencer and Pavel, <laughs> Pavel Kaufman. Uh, can we just call you, what can we call you from now on, like marinara or spaghetti? spaghetti? <laughs> can I call you spaghetti? I don't know if it's appropriate to name me after a dish. <laughs> what are you going for, a fine wine? Why don't you just give me, like, Luigi or... <laughs> Mario! <laughs> Super Mario! It's all good, man. We got, we got love for you. Krupa. The, uh, the number, if you'd like to call us. The as... Godfather Ray Mar is in the house. The Godfather, that's cocky, huh? I like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course <laughs> you like that. <laughs> 517-432-3893 is the number. This Friday, I make a cameo appearance on Mad Dog in the Morning. Ooh. 6 to 9 a.m. on a.m. 7.30, I'll be joining Dave the Mad Dog DeMarco. And uh, it's part of a uh, my sports writing class, shadowing a professional. Hmm. And uh, Mad Dog says he's going to put me on the air a little bit. So uh, if you're in the Lansing area and you want to hear me again this week, Friday, uh, I believe I'm going to be there around 7.30 a.m. Through, through the end of the hour. So 7.30 to 9. Um, I'll be joining the Mad Dog on 7.30 a.m. Mad Dog in the morning on uh, AM 7.30 here in Lansing. But more importantly, this is the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM on every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m., uh, the only hour of sports talk radio in the greater Lansing area that is commercial-free. Uh, we continue with basketball, but the collegiate level, Michigan State men's basketball, in my opinion, two uh, polarizing weeks. A loss to Indiana and a loss to Purdue. A combined, I believe, 38 turnovers in those two games. We come home. We play Iowa and Penn State. We only turn the rock over 12 times in the last two home games. So we look at that statistical category. Is the decreasing number of turnovers the solution for MSU's latest woes? Uh, yes. Um, I mean, two, two solutions. One is not to turn the ball over. Three is whatever Marquise Gray keeps eating before a game, someone make it their priority to keep feeding him that. Because he is the X factor on the team. I think we said this before the season started or way back in you know, December that as he goes, the team can go. And if he's getting 9.7 rebounds a game or 10, 11 points with some dunks and some post moves and a couple of blocks, his team feeds off of his energy. They get stagnant at times. They need him. In his career, Marquise Gray, when he scores in double figures, he's done this 14 times in his career. Michigan State is 13-1 in those games. And the lone loss coming to North Carolina in last season's NCAA tournament where Gray had 11 points. And MSU was 4-0 when Gray grabs 10 or more boards. 
3-0 when he posts a double-double. And I think Queese is beginning to realize that he needs to start producing. I think a lot of Queese's game, as we've discussed, is mental. Queese hits that first hook shot, gets that alley-oop down, hits a couple free throws, his confidence is up, coach is leaving him in, he's getting in the groove, showing what he can do and how he can be dominant on the block, how he can pull it out to 15 feet and hit, get a couple bang shots for you. So look out for Marquise Gray. Here's one for you. Leads the team in dunks, obviously, with 74. Oh, whoa. 74 dunks. Uh, and quietly, quietly, those Drew Neitzel haters, uh, Michigan State has co-leading scorers in the Big Ten. I thought you were going to say Drew Neitzel's uh, on the dunk list. <laughs> I thought that's who you were going hey, with. Hey, uh, <laughs> Nitro's my dunk, okay? He can put it down two-handed, son. I want to see He that. might not do it in the game. But don't don't you forget... Remember two years back at Michigan, Chris can't jump for nothing. Hill put a two-handed dunk down on a break. If you remember that, and that was like my, the caller said, the second coming was <laughs> un- seeing Chris Hill dunk, unbelievable. Uh, but double-figure scoring games: Raymar Morgan twenty-four, Drew Neitzel twenty-three. Drew Neitzel starting to hoop, fellas. Yes, he had ten points in that win, the midweek win over Iowa. He played like twenty minutes. You know, the game was <laughs> well put away. Uh, but who's the MVP so far, fellas? I mean, the season's coming to an end here. I mean, we what, we got four or five games left with five games left, four games left um, at Wisconsin Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, home Sunday for Senior Day at Indiana, and we're going to win, and we will end up having a unblemished record at the crib this year. Only lost for all, two times. For, for all you years. haters, we have a such a solid home court advantage. And the thing about it, I'll say it. I don't even think our fans, compared to some other venues, our players have to go play in. Not even close. Tell them, tell them about Indiana. We we go down to Indiana for the game. They have the largest arena in the Big Ten, first of all, 17,000-plus packed in there. Largest student section in the Big Ten. One of the largest in the country. Color-coordinated stands like red, white, red, white. And you just go in there. Those and, are the people sitting in those areas. Right, they th- all right. oblige by the color code. Everyone, and this is something that Michigan State struggled with in the past. When they say white out, there are you can see handfuls, if not bigger groups of people that don't wear white. But the, I, I'm big on that illusion factor. And then the noise. Indiana was down by nine. Michigan State scored a point to pin them up 11. They got a standing ovation from their fans to get them back into the game. They, every point they scored, they got louder and louder and louder. Indiana never their fans never let them get out of that game, and that's amazing to me. I think fa- Michigan State fans have to keep this in mind. The the influence of a crowd, I think it is underestimated, especially in college sports. I would hate to see us get hu- some hubris. Is that hubris, overproud, the word for overproud, hubris? Hubris. Hubris, yeah. Get some, you know, let's not be the overproud type who, who wear, you know, there's a special niche of fans, and I know they exist. And, you know, let's not be that arena where, you know, we're showing up in our Armani jeans and we got to be stylish and looking good and, you know, sitting down clapping. This is college basketball. It needs to be rowdy. And I don't think I'll put our fans behind Indiana and possibly Illinois. Illinois is a hostile environment when I went down there. Yes, we were ridiculously loud when we beat Wisconsin, but you need to bring it on a consistent night. Wisconsin was the number one team in the country at that time. That was a big game for us, so the crowd stepped up to the occasion. The crowd's not going to be that loud against Penn State and Iowa. And, I mean, should we expect them to? Yes, but realistically right now they're not. And 
kind of sucks. Do you see the fan base as being different from actually like some of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten? Because I think if you say the fan base is the best at Indiana, I'd say the toughest place to play in the Big Ten is still the Cole Center at Wisconsin. Yeah. So it's, it, they're two different things. I'd say if you rank them, the toughest places to play would be Cole Center, Assembly Hall, and maybe the Breslin yep. Center, Orange yeah. Crush. It'd be a toss-up, three and four. Yep. Our number, 517-432-3893. Your thoughts, uh, is the Izone overrated? I'll say it's a great student section, uh, but looking across the country and having experienced uh, the the blessing to travel the country and see different colleges and see what their student sections bring, um, I think Michigan State's going to be in a, a tremendously tough environment at Wisconsin Friday night. Uh, they're gunning for a Big Ten title, and we are in their way, and this is the only meeting. But don't don't worry. Tom Izzo's going to have the boys ready. Uh, because uh, Bo Ryan has thrown an alley-oop dunk, I believe, on us in the final seconds of a win before. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some bad blood there. Uh, but the boys should be ready to go. They almost um, won there last year. Cameron Taylor killed us in the end on a last-minute shot. So. Wait, Rock. Correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't we like 0 for Bo Ryan? Have we won at Wisconsin since Bo Ryan's no, been the coach? Absolutely. Only two, team, so. two Big Ten teams have ever beat them at the Cold Center. And my, my thing is, you're right, we're ready to play now, but the way that... We played that game. When they came into the Breslin last year, the reason that Michigan State won that game, A, they were as intense as I have ever seen them, and B, the crowd was nuts. That's exactly what it's going to be like at the Coles Center. So I, I want Michigan State to win this game. It's going to be really tough for them to fight through those two things. They, they need while, to win that game. while on the topic of uh, we're going to play track one, it's Coach Izzo. Uh, Coach Tom Izzo spoke today at his press conference, uh, among other things, about the previous week, successful 1-2-0. Um, heading down to Wisconsin uh, f- Thursday night at 9 p.m. and spoke a little bit about uh, the obviously the Indiana game and Senior Day. Uh, here's what Coach Tom Izzo had to say uh, this afternoon. It's a few minutes long. Enjoy it. You know, coming off a, a decent week, uh, I say that mostly because of the 12 turnovers. You know, we we've been averaging that a half, and to average that, I mean, to total that in two games, I, I think you saw how important it was. And yet we didn't necessarily shoot the ball so well against uh, Iowa. I thought we missed some good shots, but defensively we were unbelievable. And and uh, turning the ball over, we were great. You know, we when we do turn it over, and when we don't turn it over, we've won a lot of our games. In fact, all but one. Um, Raymar getting back on track helped. I think the important thing there is he only had one turnover and. And maybe as important, he's starting to shoot the ball from the free throw line again, which he had done for so long, and then went into a little bit of a slump. And and Knights of Walton and Lucas continue. I think they're all rated in the top five or six still of the league, and that's big. As far as Wisconsin goes, you know they played well. Somebody asked me a question today on the radio that uh, you know are they a better team than they were last year? You know they lost Tucker, and let's face it, Tucker was a great offensive player. Um, not as good on the other end. Now you bring in a Krebenhoff for him, and, yeah, he's only averaging 7 or 8 points, so maybe 10, 12 points less, but defensively rebounding, he's a heck of a player and an experienced one. And I think what they have, everybody always gives them the credit of being a solid team. I don't think there's any question they are as solid a team, not only in the league but in the country. But they are a very experienced team, and and we do got to remember last year, you know, Butch missed – a large part of that year, uh, injury early, then the injury with his elbow late, and uh, 
And so he wasn't a part of that team either, and he is an, a, a big part. He's having his best year of his five-year career. He's having his best year this year. I think the other guy that's improved a lot has been Flowers. He's shooting the ball now. Last year he was mostly a defensive player. Uh, he's picked up his offense a lot. And so between him and Krabenhoff playing more, between the two of them they're averaging with Tucker average. But maybe more importantly, I think that makes him even a, a much, much better defensive team. And they've been very good defensively. Their field goal percentage defense is first or second in the league. Three-point percentage defense is right up there in the top of the league. And that's why they've been successful. So I am looking forward to the game. I think we're going at the time where at least we're making some progress. We still have some woes inside that uh, have to get better. But in watching the game against them last year, this morning, you know, Sutton had a great game over there. He had a pretty good game here. And hopefully we can get our bigs going a little bit. That was head coach Tom Izzo speaking on the upcoming game, Thursday night, 9 p.m. on ESPN. Michigan State and Wisconsin, fellas, is uh, the X factor of that game, perhaps what it has been all season, the productivity of our big men, as Coach Izzo alluded to. I think so. I mean, Brian Butch is one of the toughest big guys in the conference, um, not just to go against. I'm talking about actually glue and, glue and guts tough. So he's not backing down from anybody. You know, He's going to make G play his best game of the season, but I'm comfortable having Nate McMahon in the middle as long as he can stay out of foul trouble. I think getting at least eight points out of – you know, one of the big men is going to be, you know, crucial. Gonna, go ahead. It's going to have to be a near-perfect game if we want to win at Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin can throw a lot at you. they got Marcus Landry from outside, Trayvon Hughes, Michael Flowers. And then you go inside with Steamsma, Butch, Krabenhoff. Krabenhoff's one of the toughest players, as I've mentioned. I think that we're going to have to cut down on turnovers, obviously. I think the turnovers have helped. Have, cutting down on the turnovers the last two games have helped us get out to a big early leads, two big early leads, and we just build off of them. So we need to jump on Wisconsin early, get the crowd out of it, and then we'll have a chance. Absolutely. You look at you look at Wisconsin, and, and the biggest the biggest issue for me is uh, or the biggest area to pay attention to. I believe will be the Michigan State scoring offense at sixty about sixty eight points a game against the scoring defense, the best in the Big Ten of Wisconsin at fifty six. So about 11 points uh, difference there, uh, the Badger defense against the Spartan O. Uh, at the end of the day, w- what's going to be the outcome of this game, fellas, in uh, 9 p.m. ESPN, Michigan State and Wisconsin? Spartans by seven after a couple of free throws. They're going to be losing in this game, and that's, that's how you're going to know if this season is turned around or not. There's going to be a point in this game where the crowd is going nuts, the Spartans are losing my you know, six, seven, eight points. Tom Izzo calls a timeout. After that point in time, you're really going to see what Michigan State can do because they will be losing in this game. But I'm still going to think they're going to win by seven points. I'll be really freaked out if this <laughs> if this really happens. <laughs> Ray, your thoughts? Uh, who comes out a winner? I think the Spartans. I think if our uh, big men attack the basket like we did against Penn State and Iowa, I think we come out a winner. You know, two weeks ago or last week before the Purdue and Indiana games, we were saying how you know we think we'll they'll both win both games they'll sweep and they lost both games so realistically I think I think we'll lose the game because face it it's at Wisconsin it's at the Kohl Center we're oh for the Bo Ryan era at Wisconsin there's a lot of things playing against us I hope I'm wrong trust me I, I hope I'm wrong but I think face it we're playing at Wisconsin it doesn't mean that we won't put up a fight I think we'll put up a hell of a fight but I think we'll lose by five points. 
like you said, Michigan State struggles in Madison. Forty, the Badgers, part of me, are forty and twenty-two against us in Madison. And Tom Izzo, he's fifteen and twelve in his career against Wisconsin. And so, um, I will not predict a win or a loss, but I will tell you the key factors of this game. I think it will be, you know, bum bum bum. Let's beat a dead horse. The production of our big men. And I think that if someone has a big scoring night, if somebody came to play, ate their Wheaties, jumpers wet, if someone scores 20-plus points for us, we I believe we get the W. Raymar Morgan scores 30, and we win if he does. <laughs> if Raymar scores 30 any night, that's a win. I want to see us lose when Raymar Morgan scores 30. That can't happen. But nonetheless, we're shooting tremendously well on the season. So don't I, I look for a big game. There are some mismatches that I think Michigan State uh, can take advantage of. Pay attention to Marcus Landry, though. He is talented. Of uh, the 6'7 junior, he's averaging 11 and 5. But no prolific score for Wisconsin. Pretty balanced. They take care of the basketball. There's another key production out of our big men. Secondly, taking care of the basketball. Let's have 12 or less turnovers, and we will be fine. You know, the crowd's going to get into it. Uh, Quise and Ray Raymar are good for one of those shuffle your feet travels every game. But if we can, if we can keep it, twelve turnovers or under, we'll be fine. But I'm not going to say we're going to win or lose. I'm, I, I just I can't jinx the fellows like that. I, I feel you, but if it's one thing you can be sure of, and this isn't me being positive or negative, you know, Michigan State is going to be losing in this game at some point, and it's at that point Tom Izzo has to figure out a way to get his team to calm down because more than likely it's going to be after a couple of turnovers. Get his team to calm down, stick to the game plan that they had coming into the game. Because I, I think they can win it. They just have to fight through the ver- adversity on the road that they haven't done this year. Wisconsin ranked number nine in the nation, while Michigan State sits at 15, moving up two spots. I'm going to say rebounding is the key to this game because Wisconsin takes a lot of threes. Trayvon Hughes has taken 111 threes. And, you know, he started out hot scoring. He averaged 18 points a game. He's, he's now the second leading scorer on the team. I think if we limit them to one shot per per down, time down the court, I think we've got a great chance. Absolutely. In the emergence of Raymar Morgan as of late, he he missed one shot last week. You guys noticed that? And he got fouled on that shot. If you want to go back and look at the tape, he was fouled. Six for seven or seven for eight. 13 and 14. Five, yep. 13 and 14 from the, the field half. last week. And they, they weren't all classic Raymar Morgan and one layups. Most, of, most of his six was mid-range game, and it is because Raymar's been putting in the extra work. And I think he's realizing, you know, even though it may be strenuous to stay after practice and put up more J's, it's paying off. Him and Dwayne Stevens working together after practice for at least an hour after every practice every day. On this date, when Michigan State plays on February 28th, we're 10-5 and five on the road. Hmm. I like that. So let's uh, pretty odd stat. All right, all right. Hey, I, you know, hey, I work in sports info. That we we get paid for coming up with, <laughs> with random stuff like that. Co- coming up with uh, with odd stats. Uh, but um, what's the uh, what what would Wisconsin in in reversal? What are their two, top two keys to, to defeating us? Putting a lot of pressure on Drew Neitzel. That's the thing. Make him uncomfortable. Bump him coming off a screen. Stay in the shooting pocket. Make him give up the ball early. If Drew Knights was not rolling early, I really believe the offense will struggle because Michigan State has yet to figure out how to get their big men the ball consistently on the block. So Wisconsin's going to, A, force Drew Knights to take bad shots or no shots at all, and they're going to look to pressure us full court, I think. Thank you, Jamal. One thing I didn't touch on last week, the officiating. I'm not one to bag on officials, but here's the deal. 
I've been watching a lot of basketball lately, and I've been watching the ACC. If referees in the Big Ten let us play like they play in the ACC, Michigan State would win a lot of these games that we have lost. They let people hoop. A little hand check, they don't call it. A little, you know, a little bump, it's going uncalled. No whistle. Swallow the whistle. They let people hoop in the ACC. They call so many soft fouls in the Big Ten. It's unbelievable. And some refs, Ed Hightower, take pride in the control and the theatrics involved in being a Big Ten official. <laughs> so tough to be physical in the Big Ten anymore. So tough. A, 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 a conference predicated on toughness and defense and guys get getting not getting rewarded for diving for loose balls on the floor, like Raymar Morgan getting whistled for that, I believe, early second foul. What was it two, four, two to four minutes into the game? He's got he, two fouls. He jumped under Freeman to get a loose ball. And they called him for a foul. Let, Freeman falling over him. Let the players play. Let people hoop. Let's not blow the whistle on every insignificant contact on the court. I'm sick of it. Totally sick of it. But with four games left, boys... Who is your most valuable player? I'm sticking with Drew Naming, the most consistent player on the team by far, all year, from first tip to up until right now. The seniors come out every game and defended the same way. He's got his points when they give it to him. He's been consistent from the free throw line. When he stays out of trouble, he dominates games. So, giving love to the big senior, Drew Naming. Your thoughts? Who's the MVP here in the last couple minutes? Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. Your MVP, Pavel. I'd say Kalen Lucas because he's he's emerged as our, a much-needed third scorer, especially when Raymar Morgan doesn't show up. He's our second scorer, and Neitzel sometimes is off, especially the game at Purdue. You know, Neitzel and Raymar weren't scoring. Kalen Lucas steps in as the number one guy. So I think Kalen has been the most consistent. He's earned back a starting spot, and I think he's got a great future. I love me some too easy Kalen Lucas, but you said it yourself. He's our number three scoring option. Your MVP is not your number three scoring option. Our MVP is Raymar Morgan. Yes, he had a slump, but his slump was what? A, like a week? Two games? He, he struggled, and he is exemplified. If we, if we, we don't have Raymar Morgan, we don't win the Minnesota game at the crib where he has 31. Obviously. He's, he's averaging 15 and 6, shooting 57% from the field. Raymar Morgan is your team MVP. Ray, uh, Luigi, the godfather. Uh, I gotta agree with either P- Pavel or uh, Jamal. I say Namik or Lucas. Namik or Lucas? Why? Because they eat spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of them are Italian, obviously. <laughs> Lucas changes the speed of the game. He drives. He gets easy layups. He changes the the pace of the game. Here's what I'm waiting for. As much as I love Kalen Lucas, I'm Michigan State has to put some shooters around him at one point in time. Let him penetrate because he's gonna blow by somebody and kick out for an open jump shot. Because he gets in the lane, he can hit a floater, or he can try to get all the way bucket to get a foul. But I want to see him penetrate and kick, which is something he has not done this year. We'll we'll wait and see if they can get that done this year. This has been the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM, WDBM East Lansing. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'll be back next Monday. Despite it being spring break, there is no days off in the world of sports. You have a great break. Ray will... Get your stories when you come back from Florida. Right. For Ray Mara, Jamal Spencer, Pavel Kaufman, I'm Dan Duggar. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.